my mom was at the dining room table and I was at the island in the kitchen. And I just said, sometimes I think I'm supposed to do adoption. It was still a big decision because this is my daughter and I want you to raise her right. You know, I want her to come up to a good human and with morals and values. The scary thing with adoption is the birth parent can change their mind. Up until they sign off their rights, like they can change their mind. And so that was, that was very scary for Chris and Heather. So those are things that are kind of behind the scenes that nobody really sees. And I don't know that people appreciate those that are supporting birth parents, how much it takes from them as well. What is open adoption? How does a birth mother choosing the parents for her child affect the adoption process? How is the support system of the birth mother affected? We'll explore these things and more on this episode of GRIT, getting real while immersed in truth. Getting Real, Immersed in Truth, Intersecting Hard Conversations with the Gospel. We seek and speak the truth about what's going on around us. I'm your host, Fabrina Rettel. Today, we're going to hear a story about love and release, ebb and flow, a story about open adoption. My guest today is Maddie Zimmerman. Maddie is going to share her story about love, real love and her experience with open adoption. Maddie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, thanks for asking me to come on. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I just wanna say how we met. We met in the gym. Maddie was an instructor at the boot camp, and she's ruthless as a workout instructor and makes you work very, very hard. She brings out the best in you and make you do things that you did not think was you were capable of doing. So anyway, very easy to talk to. And I just, I really started seeing some of her posts when we became Facebook friends. And I was just very interested in her story. I started picking up in her story that she was a mom who gave her uh, child up for adoption, but the adoption was open. And I thought, wow, it's really fascinating. I'd like to hear a little bit more about that. So today, Maddie's going to generously share her story with us. So I found out I was pregnant when I was, gosh, I don't even know how old, but it was in 2014. So I must have, I was like 23, I think. In October, I found out I was six weeks pregnant and it was, it was a shock to me and my family. It was very hard to tell everybody and to come to terms with. Originally, I was going to parent. My family was very supportive of whatever decision I made to place or to parent. So I originally was going to parent and, you know, my, my family, my mom and dad had me out of wedlock. I have some other family members who had my other family, I guess, um, young and out of wedlock. And so I was like, I can do this. You know, I I've got this and I have a lot of support. So 
you know, going through those first couple months of pregnancy, I was, yep, I'm going to parent. Well, then in December of 2014, I vividly remember standing in the kitchen. My mom was at the dining room table and I was at the island in the kitchen. And I just said, sometimes I think I'm supposed to do adoption. And a wave of relief went through my body. Like I can't even explain how much just was like, it hit me. Like, that's what I'm supposed to do. That's what God is intending for this to happen. Like, that's what this baby needs. I cried, but you know, I I knew that that was going to be the best choice for my daughter. So January of 2015, I went to Nebraska children's home here in Lincoln. So one of my really good friends from college placed her daughter five years prior to mine, I think it was five or six years. And so her and I were talking and that's who she went through as well. I think hers is either in Omaha or Columbus. I'm not sure which one she went through, but anyway, so I found Nebraska children's home here in Lincoln, went and met with them. And my case manager, Bobby is the most amazing human. She sat with me and talked with me about the whole situation, all of my options, I had to go in, I almost want to say like weekly or bi-weekly for a long time and just kind of talk about adoption, open adoption versus closed adoption versus parenting, all, I mean, all the different options you have. So I came into it in January thinking I'm going to have a family picked out by my birthday, which is in February. I'm like, I'm going to have a family picked out for this baby. And I'm just, we're just going to be done with it. Well, I was wrong. There's a lot of education that comes with adoption. And I didn't know that. I have two aunts that are adopted. And then I also have two cousins that are adopted. And so I thought like, okay, yeah, I know. I know about adoption. You know, all four of their stories are completely different. So I thought, okay, you know, I know some, some about it. Very wrong. There's a lot. I had to watch a lot of videos, read a lot of other birth mom stories kids that have been placed stories, adopted parents. I mean, I had to read so much and have so much education as just to make sure that this was what I really wanted to do. And I wasn't going to regret my decision. So my birthday came around in February and I wasn't even close to being able to pick out a family yet. So there's just months of education to do. They really focus on making sure Bobby probably asked me every single time I saw her, is this what you want to do? Is this what you want to do? Because that's her job. She wants to make sure that this is the right decision for me and my daughter. So I don't even remember when it was. It had to have been like after spring break sometime because I was working as a kindergarten para and I got to talk to Bobby about the kind of potential parents I wanted for my daughter. Mm. And it's, it's kind of cool. Like you, she would ask, you know, do you want, is there a certain race? And I was like, no, I don't care. Is there a certain religion? And I said, no, I don't care. You know, jobs, do they have pets? Can they already have children? I mean, you name it, everything. I kind of like just got to basically handpick who I wanted to raise my daughter. So she put it in a computer system and it spat out all these families that matched my description of what I would like my daughter to be raised in. Mm-hmm. And she brought me to the school I was working one afternoon, 17 profiles. Wow. Yeah. And she's like, okay. She's like, do not look at the pictures first. She said, you have to read the profiles and then you can look at the pictures. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to follow this. Well, so I went through and I was counting 
how many profiles I had. Well, just, this is just God's way of working. I swear I did not mean to do this, but I was counting and I saw a picture of a white family with a little mixed girl and all that's all I could think about. I was like, oh my goodness, like, this is amazing. So I gave, I got, I went home and I read through all their profiles and I did a, my mom and dad and I kind of talked about what's the best way to go through all of these profiles. Because if I could give every single family a baby, I would Mm. like, you know, these families have been through hell and back trying to have babies and they, it's a struggle and God blessed me with the ability to be able to have a child. And so it's like, if I could just give you all one, I would. And so it was really difficult to go through those, but I ended up first reading through and having a definitely no, which was hard. No, maybe a yes. And a definitely yes pile. So I had like five piles at the beginning or six piles. And I had a lot in the yes and definitely yes piles. And then I got rid of the definitely no's and the no's. And I went through the top three files of maybe yes and definitely yes. And then I made a no and yes pile, which again was very difficult because these families didn't know that their piles or their files got pulled. They didn't know that. So that kind of helped me a little bit knowing that like I didn't have to tell them to their face, like I didn't choose you, but it was still a big decision because this is my daughter and I want you to raise her right. You know, I want her to come up a a good human and with morals and values and et cetera. So I came down to three profiles and I had my pair. I went over to my parents. My parents are my world. They mean the world to me. They are so supportive and every single thing that I have done in my life. And so I was like, I need their opinion on this. So I went over there and I said, I need you guys to read these three profiles in the back of my head. I knew who I was picking. Like I knew who I wanted but I also wanted mom and dad to agree. And so they read the profiles and I said, you know, dad, my dad goes, well, what do you want us to do with these? I was like, I want to know like who you think, who you think we should do this with. And it was the most amazing thing, Rabrina, because we all three agreed immediately on who it was without Mm -hmm. me telling them. They just I can't remember exactly the words, but like I asked permission to use their names. And so Chris and Heather are the parents and my dad, I think my dad said something about the ones that live or something about what he does. And then my mom's like, Oh, the one with this. And I was like, my jaw just hit the floor because I was like, that's who I want. Like Mm. the fact that all three of us agreed on the same person, the same family Mm. without even having to communicate about it was just this is who I'm supposed to have. Um, So I went into Nebraska Children's Home and told Bobby that I'm choosing Chris and Heather. So Chris and Heather are the, is the picture that I saw of the two white parents and then the mixed daughter. So they, their stories, they already adopted Peyton, who is their biracial, gosh, Peyton's 10 now, maybe 11, will be 11 this July. And so they adopted her. So they've kind of already been through the adoption process. Her story is a lot different as anybody who's ever placed us. It's a different story every time. Right. But so, yeah, so I was like, okay, I, you know, especially with how the world is just with families that have biracial children, white parents with black kids, black parents with white kids, like that kind of stuff. Just, I just, I can't handle the judgment. Mm -hmm. And so I really wanted a family that wasn't one going to judge my daughter for the color of her skin. 
but also where her family, like her whole extended family, where she grows up is accepting of her. That was very important to me. Mm. And so to see Chris and Heather already have Peyton was just amazing. Mm. So Bobby called them up and they came down. They live two hours away from here because I didn't want anybody in Lincoln. Lincoln's a small town, <laughs> even mm-hmm. though it's big. You small, still big everybody. City. Yeah. Yes. Or it, big, it, you... big small town. That's what I call it. Yes. Yes. You can run into so many people. And I didn't want that. I didn't want to be like walking through Walmart and run into them. I was like, nah, I need to be a little bit more prepared for that. Mm-hmm. So they live up in a small town by Norfolk. So it's a good two, two and a half hours away. And so they came down and... I remember pulling into a Nebraska Children's Home parking lot to meet them and calling my parents and like having an anxiety attack because this is a big deal. Like, like I, because so how open adoption works is you don't get to interview families or have like two or three. So if I wouldn't have been able to choose between those three profiles, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have been able to meet all three of them. Mm. You can only meet one. And then if it's an absolute no way, this is not working, then you can pick another one. But I wouldn't be able to bring multiple families in and interview them because that's getting their hopes up for something that might not happen, which would just be heartbreaking to them. So I understood why they did that. So I went in and met with Chris and Heather. They did not bring Peyton yet because Peyton was only five and they just didn't really want her to know kind of everything that's going on. Like I said, her story is different than Hadley's. And so they went through some trials with her. So they brought their scrapbooks of their family and everything. And we just talked for probably, I'd say about an hour or so. It was comfortable. I mean, it was obviously a little awkward because I have what could be their baby in my stomach. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. and they're trying to impress me, but I'm also trying to impress them, letting them know, like, I'm taking care of this baby. Like, you know, here's, here's my morals and values and what I believe in. And I want you to make sure that you raise her like I mean I understand that you're not going to raise her how I want to but like to an extent you know so yeah it was it was an interesting long conversation and then it was very important for me as I told you my parents are my world they have my back it was important for me to have Chris and Heather meet my parents I was like because in my head Rabrina I wanted I wanted the perfect the perfect open adoption. And Mm. you'll learn, I have it. (laughs) I'm very blessed. But I wanted a family who was going to just extend onto my family. I wanted somebody who was going to come down for barbecues and was was going to come to graduations and weddings and things like that. Mm -hmm. And because of the other people in my family's adoption stories, it was, that's just something that people, that's just not heard of. That, okay. That's just a, no, that you just place your baby and then you kind of talk here and there. You don't have that kind of relationship. Well, I was determined to have that. So about a week or two later, my parents came to Nebraska Children's Home and met Chris and Heather. And I wasn't obviously as nervous as I was the first time meeting them. Again, they didn't bring Peyton down. It was just them. And I told Bobby, I was like, Bobby, I'm going to need you to help me like navigate this conversation if it gets awkward. Rabrina, my parents and Chris and Heather talked for like two hours about everything under the sun. Like they have so much in common. They even know like of the same kind of people and just, I, Bobby and I sat there just looking at each other. Like, are we even going to be able to talk? Like, (laughs) like it was so perfect. I didn't notice any nervousness from 
any of them. Like they just, they just talked like it was amazing. And my parents, of course, fell in love with them. So that's great. So yeah, so kind of through that whole up until I delivered, I, my sister and I went out and saw their house and visited Peyton. And I just got to see like where she was going to grow up and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And it was amazing. Mm. And then let me think. I had to come up with a birth plan. That was something really big for a children's home is you need to come up with a birth plan. And so I had my aunt and my mom in the room with me. I didn't want Heather at that time. I didn't want Heather in there because I wanted, you know, that, that was the only time I really got to be a true hundred percent mom, like Mm -hmm. was the whole labor delivery after that. Like that was my time with her. And so it was my choice. I mean, there was nothing, you know, forced upon me of you have to do this or you have to do this. It was completely my choice. So we decided that we were going to keep, my mom was going to text Chris and Heather updates as far as like, you know, she's going into labor and, you know, whatever things like that. So I got induced on June 11th and no, wait, I think I went in on June 11th. I got induced on the 12th. I don't know. I don't know. It's all a blur, Rubina. I don't know. Y'all doing all so, that thing. Yeah. 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 I don't know. <laughs> I know I went on, on the 11th because that's my brother's birthday. So I went in that day and the next day they gave me all the medicine to get going. And so my mom kept Chris and Heather in the loop. Obviously my whole family in the loop of what was going on. It was planned that I would not hold her Hadley I'm I'm tired of saying her (laughs) Hadley is her name so it was planned that I was not going to hold Hadley until my family was in there as in like my three siblings and my mom and my dad but I wanted I wanted to hold her a lot of birth parents birth mothers can I mean they either don't hold their their daughter or son or they do and that was something that Bobby was very like you can make this birth plan but you might not follow it and that's okay right like you might not want to hold her. And then the second she comes out, you do want to hold her or vice versa. So it was in my birth plan that she was just going to go over to the warmer until my family all came in and we were going to do it together. So yeah, that was, and then, yeah, so I had her labor and delivery was beautiful, fine, wonderful. Something that is just amazing that my body can create something as beautiful as her and as healthy and push it around out. (laughs) That's just crazy to me. So my labor. Okay. So uh, they gave me the Pitocin, I think at like six in the morning. And then I had her at like six at night, but I only pushed for 20 minutes. Oh my. Uh Uh-huh. You know what the the nurse said to me? Do you work out? And I said, (laughs) yes, I do. (laughs) And she's like, yeah. She's like, your muscles are strong. uh Yeah. (laughs) This is the Black Business Shoutout. I'd like to let you know about a Juneteenth celebration happening here in Nebraska. For those of you who don't know, June 19th commemorates the day in 1865 that the last enslaved people were told of their freedom, two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation. The proclamation by Major General Gordon Granger issued this military order in Galveston, Texas, freeing slaves. General Orders Number 3. The people of Texas are informed that in accordance with the proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. A little known fact is that there's 
a town in Mexico, northern Mexico, that also celebrates Juneteenth. They are the descendants of the Negro Muscogo people of northern Mexico. There's an article in the Texas Monthly. I will put a link in the show notes. It's a very interesting article. I'm also working on a young adult novel myself about a young girl, teen girl, who is a descendant of Negro Muscogo people. And she learns about life and love through the stories of her grandmother. I'd also like to let you know about uh, a celebration, which is at the F Street Community Center on Saturday, June 26th from 11 to 3. And it is a free community event. There will be haircuts, food, music, and much more. Come and support your local Black-owned businesses. For those of you who are not here in Nebraska, I encourage you to check your local listings to see if you have something happening for Juneteenth. So it was kind of funny. I was like, oh, well, you know, whatever. I remember laying there in the bed and I, my mom, I didn't want an epidural. I wanted to go all natural, but my mom was like, girl, if I'm going to be in that room with you, you're having an epidural. <laughs> I was like, okay. Mom's like, been there, done that. <laughs> yep. Yep. She's like, I've had four kids. You're having one of those. Like, I'm not let, watching you. So I got it when I was four centimeters dilated, which kind of ticked me off because I wanted to go like as long as I could. But the doctor was literally right outside my room when they mm. were like, okay, we'll call him up. Because mom's like, sometimes they, t- they take forever to get up here. And of course he was right outside my room. And I was like, all right, whatever. And I remember taking, I watched Finding Nemo, which is my favorite movie in the whole entire world. And I watched that. I took a nap and I woke up and I was like, in my head, I'm like, something ain't right. Like there's a lot of pressure, but I just kind of kept it to myself for probably like 30 minutes. And I finally was like, you guys, something's not right. And my aunt's like, oh my God, she's coming. Here we go. (laughs) So they went out and got the nurse and yeah, 20 minutes later, there she was. So they put her over in the warmer and my dad and siblings were actually on their way to visit me before going to, I think they were headed to church. And so they were on their way to visit me before that because things were kind of going slow. And then mom's like, she's here. (laughs) Like the baby's here. And so they, I think my dad said they got off the elevator and heard the music, like the baby music, or they were just got to the waiting room. So it was perfect timing. So they came in and the nurse brought over Hadley and you know, you see those movies and pictures of when parents see their baby for the first time and hold the baby, they cry. Mm-hmm. And like, to me, I was like, okay, that's not, you're like, no way. It's a real thing. You, you <laughs> definitely is. cry. And my tears were all different sorts of emotions. They were, holy cow, she's beautiful. Holy cow, like she's mine. But at the same time, like you're not, you know, and seeing the tears of my family was really hard. Um, because they were so supportive the whole entire pregnancy and they still are six years later but it was really hard at that time because seeing my dad and my brother cry who you know they just yeah it was it was really hard to see that yeah the family seemed very much on board and very much the support was Uh, unreal yes exactly unreal and the, Unreal. all of them were involved in mm-hmm. the process. That's, mm-hmm. That is, from what I understand, quite unusual. Yeah, that was, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I'm very, very blessed with my family, that's for sure. So yeah, so that 
my mom kept Chris and Heather updated, like I said, and told her, yep, she's here. And I did ask for that first 24 hours for them not to come to the hospital. And they, they were so respectful of that. They understood. And so the next day, Chris and Heather and Peyton came down and so backing up for a second, Peyton wanted a big sister. She doesn't, she didn't want a little sister. She wanted a big sister that was the same color as her. Mm. And so, you know, we're all like, well, I can't give you a big sister, but I can give you a little sister, you know, like, but we never told her that I was just mommy and daddy's friend who was having a baby. I wasn't, you know, because they were the scary thing with adoption is the birth parent can change their mind right up until they sign off their rights. Like they can change their mind. Mm. And so that was, that was very scary for Chris and Heather. And so they didn't want to get Peyton's helps up that she was going to have this baby sister. And then I changed my mind. Mm -hmm. So, so anyways, Peyton just kept it. So just this, just lighthearted and so innocent and so perfect. And so they came to the hospital and Hadley was in the, I don't know what you call little bassinet thing that they, mm-hmm. basket thing that they hold them in. Mm-hmm. And they were looking at her and taking pictures. And they're like, do you guys want to go down to like the visiting room so we could have more room? Because my, all of my siblings were there. And then uh, Chris and Heather and Peyton were like, yeah. <laughs> so we go down to this room <laughs> and Heather, Heather is holding Hadley. And she goes, Peyton, isn't she just beautiful? And she goes, yeah but she's white because (laughs) her pigment wasn't in yet right (laughs) everybody's just laughing because it's just like you are just the sweetest little thing like it's so funny and so it just kind of helped lighten lighten the mood a little bit for me anyways so then those I think I was in the hospital for three three days and two nights with her and Chris and Heather we're very, you know, do you want us to come up? Can we come up? You know, and another thing that Children's Home really talked about was this is my time. And so I don't, they're like, you know, it's up to you, but they did advise not to have all of my family come and see Hadley mm-hmm. as in like aunts and uncles. And so I had both sets of my grandparents, my dad's parents, my mom's parents, they came And then I had two of my closest friends come at the time, came and saw her and that was it. And I wanted obviously everybody to see her, but you know, Bobby's like, this is, this is, you know, your time. And so the last day I was mentally preparing myself for an absolute breakdown when I saw Hadley leave with Chris and Heather. Mm -hmm. So I asked for some time by myself with Hadley and everybody was out of their room. And I just remember holding her and crying and talking to her and telling her how much I love her. And, you know, I, during my whole pregnancy, I wrote a journal to her. As soon as I found out I was pregnant, I still have it and I still write in it sometimes. Just because I want her to know, like, this, like, this is hard and I love you and I never didn't want you, like... Mm -hmm. Because I know a lot of kiddos who are adopted think that their biological parents did not want them. And I never want that thought mm-hmm. to linger in Hadley's mind. I mean, she's going to have it. I mean, I think as a human, you would. But I want her to understand, like, this is hard. And I did this for you. Mm-hmm. I was not, I mean, I, I had a job. And, you know, thinking, you know, you think, oh, you're 23, 24. You got your life together. No, no, I don't think it matters how old you are. 
if you are not ready to parent, it is, it is okay. It is perfectly fine to give that baby a life that you cannot give them. So yeah, so I had probably, it didn't feel long enough, but it also felt like a lifetime of how long it was just me and her. And I remember mom came in and just kind of checked on me. And then we, we took some last pictures and so my mom and dad had huge babies. All of us were ginormous, like over nine pounds, big babies. Mm-hmm. And so we were anticipating Hadley to be like nine or 10 pounds. Well, she was only six pounds. And so when we were putting her in the car seat, like that was emotional, putting her in there and buckling her up. Well, it was too big because we were expecting a nine or 10 pound baby. And so we had to take her out <laughs> and readjust it. And so then we're like, oh my God, this is like, you just, you had to do this again. Like, really? Yeah, prolonging. Um, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That is the exact word. Yes. And so Bobby was there because she had to keep asking me, do you want to do this? Is this what you want to do? And I was like, Bobby, yes. Like, this is the most amazing family. This is what I, you know, like I am determined to do this. And she was just, you know, she had to make sure that this is really what I wanted to do. So we went down and I helped put her in the car and I'm crying, obviously, as I think anybody would. And Peyton goes, why are you crying? I said, oh, I'm just going to miss you guys. You know, like, I'm just going to miss you. And she goes, well, you can come and see us anytime you want. I was like, oh, and she goes, but wait till she turns brown. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I was like, okay, I'll wait till she turns brown. And then I was expecting an absolute, like me falling on the ground crying, but I was fine at the moment. They drove away. They ended up staying in Lincoln because they, they had to go see a doctor then like my doctor uh, who checked on Hadley just for like, you know, one day out of the hospital kind of thing. And so mom and I went back like up to my room and I was like, I'm ready to go. And the nurses were so amazing. They were willing to let me stay another night. Like, like if you need some some love and care like we're here for you and I was like nope I'm ready to go home and I honestly think I said it like that like I was like nope like let's go mm-hmm. uh, I got home and the world crashed mm-hmm. the world fell apart because I remember my family eating dinner and I was on the couch and I was like hello like the my world just stopped like why are you guys still going mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. and that was reality. That's when reality really sunk in of what happened, what I did, what's going to be the rest of my life. So that was really hard. But again, my family was extremely supportive and understanding. And so we ended up doing a meet and greet with all families. So my family, like my uh, siblings and parents went up and met Chris and Heather's family with Hadley. And so we could kind of know who all the aunts and uncles and everything were. And then Chris and Heather came to my house, my parents' house and met my whole family. So everybody kind of got to see everybody. It was cool. Wow. And then we were sharing a lot of pictures and, you know, just a lot of, I was Facebook friends with them at first. And then it got to the point where it was really hard to just randomly see pictures of her. Mm. Uh, That, you know, the whole reason I didn't want them to be living in Lincoln was because I didn't want to run into them. Well, you know, everyone scrolls on social media and you, you just pop, you know, pictures just pop up and I, I, I couldn't do it. And so we talked about, I wasn't, friend, I'm still not friends with them on Facebook for that reason. Mm-hmm. And I asked them to text me and ask me if I was ready or if I wanted a video or a picture. Um, and so to this day, they do that. They respect that. They understand that I, I'm not 
always in the right headspace to just mm-hmm. see a picture of her. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never said no, actually, in the six years. I don't think that I've ever said, no, I don't want to see, but I appreciate them respecting that I might not be ready to see it. So yeah, so they, you know, we weren't friends on Facebook. When she was younger, we saw each other all the time. I mean, because, you know, Peyton was only five and six and Hadley was still an infant. And so it was really easy to see each other. And then the older they've got, the harder it's been just because Hadley and Payson are in dance and gymnastics and soccer. And, you know, I mean, they're living the life. They have, they have everything that I wanted to give Hadley, Mm. but I just, at that time, couldn't do it. You know, would she have been loved? I mean, she is, she is ridiculously loved by even my extended family, my grandparents, my aunts, my uncles, everybody loves that girl and their family, Chris and Heather and Payson. I mean, my, my parents consider Peyton their grand, their granddaughter. Mm -hmm. And they just, you know, Hadley was the flower girl in my brother and sister-in-law's wedding. And yeah, she thought she was going to marry uncle Jaren. So (laughs) it was super cute. They come to my sister my sister plays for Creighton. They come to my sister's games, you know, they, you know, if my brother lived, my other brother lives in North Carolina. So if he lived closer, they would visit him more, I'm sure too. But with FaceTime, they FaceTime as much as they can. Everybody in the family, they, they, you know, I said that I wanted that come to the barbecues, come to the graduations. That's what they do. That's what they do. They, they go above and beyond what any other family that I probably would have chosen. You know, they just, they're amazing. They, they help me heal. They, you know, they've done a great job with Hadley. Yeah. I just, I'm so lucky and so blessed. It's by far the hardest thing I've ever had to do. And it still is on a daily basis. When I see families or I see, you know, just, I have so many friends having babies and it's just like, it's, it's hard. It's hard Mm -hmm. to think of what could have been. It's a kind of grief and a kind of loss in that aspect of what could have been. So that's something that my family and I work through together. All of our grief is a little bit different, but we still go through it together. You know, it's, it's just, it's something. I don't know. I, I am. Okay. So there's a few things I'm struck by in this conversation. First, how generous you were when you were trying to select the families, not just thinking about yourself or Hadley, but thinking about the the families, how this would be difficult on them and how you were trying to hold them in care as you were trying to select which family was best for your daughter. And then how intentional you were on every step of the process. You were very intentional. And then I was thinking about your parents because, you know, I'm a mom and I was thinking about where I would be if my daughter had chosen or was in a situation where she felt it was best to give her child up for adoption because I say that, well, that's my grandchild, but how your family was so supportive in, yes, this may be my grandchild, but this is Maddie's decision and how they just allowed you to have that, make that decision and just walk alongside you in that. And then- It was interesting. And if my dad listens to this, he'll be so proud of himself because I, 
I threw myself a pity party, Sabrina. I I really did. I was very, very depressed and kind of made it seem like I was the only one struggling. Mm. And my dad had enough of it because I I ended up staying with them, living with them for a while after just because I was having such a hard time. And my dad had enough of it. And he called me out. You know, he was like, you are not the only one that lost something. You are not the only one suffering. And I needed to hear that Mm. because it is so true. The birth parent is not the only one that goes through. Yes, I, like I said, it's the loss of something that I could have had, like I could have parented. And so that's, you know, that's my difference. And you're exactly right, is my parents are grieving what could have been with their grandchild. And so like, they still see Hadley. Actually, my mom's seen Hadley today. We still go to their dance recitals and, you know, they've, they've stayed the night at my mom and dad's before. Like they still get a grandparent but not to the extent that they're grandparenting my brother's son right now. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And so that that's what they had to grieve. My siblings had to grieve, you know, their niece, you know, so I needed to hear that. It really changed the way I understood what was happening. It just, it really, it it changed a lot of things. And Mm -hmm. I think it helped me because I, I don't know, I probably would still be in that pity party, to be honest with you and not understand that everybody was going through something and my parents had to see me struggle and that had to have been and my siblings you know they you know my brother helped me through some anxiety attacks like Mm. they they saw me in my darkest days and they had to put a smile on and be okay in front of me Mm. and that had to have been hard for them so those are things that are kind of behind the scenes that nobody really sees and I don't know that people appreciate those that are supporting birth parents, how Mm. much it takes from them as well. Mm -hmm. Wow. I really appreciate you sharing that. And also I appreciate how you involved them in the process. You made them part of the process because that she was or is part of the family. And so I appreciate how you pulled them in to have the discussion with Heather and Chris and just how everything you had them in when you were at the hospital, so they could have time with her also. I really appreciate how God connected the dots to how they had so much in common uh, with the adopting uh, parents, just the whole thing. This whole story is very, I would say it's a miracle story because it was, it was a very challenging, hard, it hurt, but it, it was a, a pretty positive experience on the side of the adopting parents also, how they are generous with you and having that time with Hadley and how they still participate in family events. Like the whole thing is love. All This whole yeah. story, this is a true love story from all sides. So I commend all of you for, I mean, it's work. These relationships are work and you are putting in the work because you want to do what is best for Hadley. And my prayer is that she will see that when she's older and acknowledge it and love you all, all of you even more for it. Wow. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a miracle. Like you said, that's exactly it. I don't think I could have picked a better family, a better, a better like Nebraska children's home being there for me my whole family being there for me. I I mean, I still, some of my best friends um, are always like, how you doing? How's she doing? Like they love hearing her. My roommate and her are, Hadley calls her her bestie. 
Is is your bestie home? Is your bestie home? They made up a a handshake at my brother's wedding and she still remembers it. So it's just, she's part of me. She is me and everybody respects that. And that is just amazing. And I really hope that I can help just one person understand the importance of adoption and placing for the child. It was one thing and and still sometimes I struggle, don't get me wrong, but not as bad as I used to have. Well, other people can do it. Why didn't I, Mm -hmm. you know, like I could have made it work. Well, like my parents always told me like, you don't want to make it work. You, you want this little girl to have the life that, you know, I had. And I, I don't know that. I mean, I know I wouldn't be where I am now working my job and the life that I have now and Hadley would not be in dance, competitive dance. She's, she's amazing at that. But anyways, competitive dance and soccer and gymnastics and have a sibling, you know, like those kind of things just, they wouldn't have happened had I raised her. Both decisions would have been very, very hard, but I just, I had to do what was right for her. Mm -hmm. And that made me feel all types of ways, proud, mad, embarrassed, But when I think of how happy and loved and just all of the things, it was, it was the right decision. Mm. Well, that was a beautiful story. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And I just pray that you can continue that relationship always. And I just thank God for you and the there's a hard decision you had to make. Thank God for your family and for the adoptive family also. Thank you for letting me share my story. It's always a healing process for me. It always helps me heal a little bit every time I say it. I'm glad to hear that. It is my honor and my pleasure. That was a real love story. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Don't forget to give Grit Getting Real a five-star rating, follow, and share on iTunes. Check out my other podcasts on Life Audio, Mama Take Heart, Understanding Your Gen Z Girl. That podcast is designed to help mamas be the compassionate, gospel-centered, and influential voice in their girl's life. Getting Real Immersed in Truth podcast is produced and edited by me, Brita Reddle. Original music by composer Michael Coffey of Handcrafted Studios. Connect with me on Instagram at Rabrina Reddle and check out my website, RabrinaReddle.com. Until next time, keep your grit up by getting real while immersed in truth.